Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast, presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Greg Barnes and special guest, Stephen Godfrey. You're listening to the Inside Carolina radio show, sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Stephen's a, a guest for us today. He's got some inside information on Carolina's newest defensive coordinator. Stephen is the a senior writer for SB Nation and a co-host on, of the podcast, Ain't Played Nobody. Stephen, I'll let you uh, expound on that, but I'm going to turn it over to Greg, and you guys can have at it and uh, take it away, Greg. Well, Stephen, thank you for joining us. And I think yeah. a lot of people are wondering, why, why Stephen? And I think the, the answer to that is, in 2016, uh, Army entered the, the Navy game having lost 14 consecutive games. And uh, in that game, Army won, snapping that streak. And Stephen, fortunately, was able to be embedded with, with Army for, I guess, a week or so prior to that game. Uh, and uh, in, in that time, was able to spend a lot of time with the entire coaching staff, including Jay Bateman, who was defensive coordinator uh, for the Knights. And so can you initially just kind of talk us through that that opportunity to be able to embed and experience such a intense rivalry as that game is. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, and I don't say this lightly. I was actually just interviewed by a, a ESPN crew for a television show coming up next year, and they said, "What's your what's your most powerful memory of college football?" And in all the years I've been doing this, it was uh, it was standing on the sideline for the Army Navy game as Army snapped that streak. Um, Anything you've ever heard about that rivalry, any any hyperbole, it, it, it is not that. It's, if anything, it's an understatement. It is the single most powerful sports experience that any, I really can't do it justice, I'll be honest with you. And I spent nine days with, uh, with Army and the coaching staff at West Point, traveled with them to Baltimore. The, that, uh, yeah, it was at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore that year. And um, really, really, I, I cannot overstate um, if you ever get disenfranchised with sports or college sports in particular, um, I would recommend that you, uh, you just attend one of those games in, in person. You go and interact with the fans. If you get a chance to talk to the players and the coaches, um, it will recalibrate you in terms of what sports can mean to our culture. Um, and I really can't emphasize that enough. And speaking specifically about, about Jay Bateman, before we dive into the schematics, I wanted to kind of right. add him as him as a person because in watching interviews with him uh, and in reading your piece from a couple of years ago, uh, he seems very intense and he seems very much like we're going to do it this way. Uh, there's there's no frills. Uh, there's there's no jokes. We're we're going to be serious about this. Right. What take away in terms of how he he handled himself, how he uh, communicated with the players and the other coaches. What was your takeaway there? Yeah, so I've been doing this in one shape or another for 16 years, and um, I've embedded with, I think, almost 20 FBS programs at this point, either on a full team embed or one side of the ball or whatever. And my favorite coaches are always end up defensive coaches because offensive coaches will inherently show you that they're at least a little pretentious. Defensive coaches are better. My favorite defensive coaches are always secretly smart. And what I mean by that is that we, we carry this cliche in college football coaching that 
the best defensive coordinators are these brawny, brawly kind of, you know, Luddite guys who just want to get after, get after the quarterback, you know, um, great defensive coaches are often the smartest people in the room because essentially every, every snap, every play is a preventative measure and they're having to account for both sides of the ball in, in a way in which I don't think offenses in the version of college football that that's played in 2018 have to account for. Um, and so Jay Bateman fits that to a T. Um, he's highly cerebral. Um, he is incredibly passionate. He can do the rah-rah as much as any other defensive coach I've ever met. But oftentimes he's the smartest guy in the room um, without letting you know that. And I think his ability to not only develop complex schemes and, you know, inherently, I'm an investigative reporter. That's sort of my expertise. And so when I do these embeds, it's more about the access and kind of writing about zeitgeist and news angles and positioning. I read just like you guys do about college football X's and O's as much as I can because I, I, I want to be conversational. But you could have some sort of, you know, uh, college football strategist on here who will tell you the specifics. What I can tell you in broad strokes is he is uh, – as aggressive as you would want a defensive coordinator to be, but fundamentally what he was running schematically at army should not be possible. He should not have been able to run as much as he ran as often as he ran it, the amount of success that he had with the personnel that he was given. And I think that is what the industry noticed this year above all else was that he was really, he was really creating magic relative to the effectiveness of his personnel. Is there a benefit for a guy like that being at Army where he, he has a limited roster in terms of, of talent? Is right. there a benefit for him to be able to experiment saying, hey, you know what? If we just run a basic 4-3 traditional cover two, we don't have a chance. But if I can get creative, maybe we, we have an opportunity here. Well, it's funny because most coaches are inherently – they work in risk assessment for a living. And – um the thing that strikes me about Bateman is actually what um, the, I remember the offensive coordinator at army, Brent Davis, who comes off of that triple three, um, you know, Paul Johnson on down to Munkin and, and coach Neo and everybody else. And, and he was laughing and he said, you know, we know what kind of looks we can usually get when we provide sets, when we provide looks. And you know that, you know, the option is inherently annoying. You guys are at North Carolina. You've seen what Johnson <laughs> did at tech for so long. Um, what Davis was la- Davis was kind of laughing about Jay Bateman was we know that there's four or five looks that a defense will give us within a half. He said Jay Bateman. He said our defense coordinator would throw 25 of it, 25 of them at us if he could. Um, he's just not scared. I think I think what's refreshing about Army is that they went into what a lot of people in the industry said was the toughest situation of the three service academies by far, and the record reflected that. And Munkin inherently took on that challenge and, and just applied the same principles in a lot of ways that the staff at Navy had, but I think really did so and really, really embraced the worst part of that job, which was sort of demystifying the stigma against being in, at West Point for football players. And I think he brought in guys like Bateman who were just essentially fearless. You know, it's either, it's either being really naive or really stupid sometimes where you go in and say, I'm not going to have the raw talent to do this kind of stuff, but you know what? Screw it. We're going to try it anyway. And what happened over time was, Hey, you know what? These guys are courted nationwide to be the, to be leaders of men one day in the United States military. Right. And it is one of the toughest 
schools in the country. Bateman's big, I, I remember one time I was listening to the audio and one of the things he would go back to is I recruit to the single best public university in the United States of America. And what he means is the education caliber. And so the reason why he would harp on that, one, was recruiting, obviously, but two was he felt his guys were intellectually capable enough to process a lot of, a lot of stuff, you know, and, and he was right. I think, I think he would gamble on that, just like he gambled on calling blitzes. And I know if you guys watched the game, you know, this weekend, they were living and dying by blitz and, and were just ridiculously successful against Navy. Now, two of the plays that accounted for most of Navy's yards came, I think, in the fourth quarter, specifically when they beat the blitz. He's aggressive, but he's very smart in what he does. Um, so that's, you know, to apply this to North Carolina, I think that can be very exciting because the heels have none of the, the type of inherent limitations that we, we talked about with the, with the United States military, mil, excuse me, military Academy, but they do have, I think a lot of work in front of them in terms of what they have to go up, uh, up against in the ACC. Steven, you've been doing this for a long time. So you've been able to, to watch the, really the, the strategic shift from offense, uh, through the the West Coast into the spread that we've seen dating back to Rich Rod at, at Tulane and those kind of things, uh, we were been we were lucky enough to to have Larry Fedora at Chapel Hill where we were able to really sit down with him over the past seven years and learn kind of the ideas behind it, pick his brain with it. And one thing he always went back to was kind of what he wanted to do was really limit the number of concepts he had to teach his guys, but then showcase them through a variety of personnel packages, which mm-hmm. made it exponentially difficult for the defenses um and it yeah. seems it seems like bateman takes a similar approach is that is that fair yeah i mean it is uh again it, it, it's it's going to be hard to translate specifics of what he does because of the personnel uh i don't want to say restrictions because often we talk about army football players as if they're some sort of handicapped individuals and, <laughs> you know i've been on the sidelines those guys can lay the wood just ask oklahoma um However, yeah, I, I think that's, that's what's exciting about Bateman. And I'll say this. I've watched trends rise and fall just like you have. You know, I've watched it happen by conference. I've watched it happen as a sport. And the good coaches are never married to scheme, ever. They're, they're, it's very rare that you have a coach that, that maintains a level of success like a Mike Leach or a Hal Mummy um, or even to go back to the old, like, wing T days, you know. Coaches usually don't survive an entire career based off of a signature scheme. The best ones adapt. You know, I always talk about Bob Stoops, right? Bob Stoops is a defensive coach. Bob Stoops was a grinder, a mean defensive coach at Florida. He goes to Oklahoma and recognizes a sea change culturally in college football based on the high school personnel that's coming through in that, in, in that conference. And he didn't fight it. He adapted to it. And, it, and I'll say this, it kind of reminds me of Bateman, at least, in that he, it wasn't so much about, I want to run X, and I've got Y, so I'm going, to, I'm going to force them, I'm going to pigeonhole them into what I want to do. It's more about walking in and saying, you know what, sky's the limit, let's see what we've got, and let's start putting the pieces in, in place. So I would caution against saying, he ran this at Army, he's going to run this at North Carolina, because as you all know, I mean, your defense is, in terms of talent, you've got a much higher ceiling. However, I think that he's, he's really built a career on versatility. So, so the fact that it's unpredictable should be exciting for Heels fans. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that question. We know that the talent level at North Carolina is going to be higher than what he had at Army. 
But we also know the talent level at North Carolina is a long way away from what it is for a team like Clemson, only three sure. and a half hours down the road for us. So how do you see maybe what he does transitioning? Is, is there any way to make a guess on how things may change for him? Well, schematically, I think the first thing he's going to do is aggressive per player evaluation. And then they're going to go ahead and look at the, they're going to look at the whole player, right? It's not just going to be about the physical capability because he is going to demand a certain level of intellectual rigor from these players. And I think the problem that we have with service academy coaches is that once they leave the service academy, there's a stigma against them in that they expect a soldier. He's not going to do that. He's coached other places in his career. I would, I would remind everybody that most of these guys do coach other places in their career. But he's going he's gonna to come in there and evaluate the player overall and going to figure out well, what's the capacity of these guys. Also, what do they like doing? I think that's enthusiasm is a big thing. We hear that all over college football, and it becomes a cliche. But when you, when you get granular with these guys on a day-to-day basis and you're with them for hours on end, enthusiasm is a very genuine thing, especially on defense. Um, I think that that was lacking for North Carolina. I will say this just overall as an assessment of the program. I wrote a piece about Fedora a couple months ago. Um, inherently snake, not a bad roster. This is not of all the transitions I'm looking at in 2018, a program or a roster that needs to be blown up and rebuilt. I think there's a lot of good here. Um, there's just a, a freakish amount of, weird stuff that happened in North Carolina these last couple of years, be it with the shoes and the NCAA or the just in, insane amount of injuries at skill positions like quarterback. There are really good pieces to work with on this roster. And that's exciting for, I think all the assistants at, at North Carolina. SI had an, an article up, um, I guess last month talking about kind of how defenses are changing to account for that this new offense uh, led by Lincoln Riley, that's virtually unstoppable, it seems like. Right. And, and in that article, they talked about how some NFL guys were actually going to, to West Point to talk to Bateman and figure out why is he so successful with limited, limited personnel. What do you think they're making that trip to, to Army to, to talk to him about that? Well, because he's doing something that's not possible. He's, he's, we, we tend to – we create a metric in, in, in football on – uh, the, the parameters are built around talent, and maybe that's true, maybe that's not. I, again, I, like I, I live in Nashville. I went to college in the SEC. The bulk of my career has been covering the Southeastern Conference, and they are very much religiously so a Jimmys and Joes, not X's and O's type of culture. And I think that permeated football, not just college football, but football in general for a long, long time. And what professional coaches will tell you that where I think there's a big schism in the disagreement is the new England Patriots are not inherently the most talented team on the field. I can tell you this. Um, I'm a diehard Atlanta Falcons fan. I was at that Super Bowl. (laughs) The new England Patriots are the smartest team on the field. And I think when college scouts or sorry, when pro scouts and, and pro coaches notice a discrepancy, like what happened in that army Oklahoma game, they want to seize upon that because I think, I think there's an inherent um, value and strategy left in the NFL that isn't quite as strong in power five college football right now. All right. And not to get too far into the weeds, but looking through army stats, really what jumps off the page to me is this is a team. uh, We, we know they benefit from that, that ball control offense, 
Yes. But when you look at the specialty stats, I mean, they're third nationally in third down defense. They're, I think, 26th in red zone defense. Why do you think it is that in those critical categories, he's had so much success? Uh, I think he trusts his guys. I think that he's, again, it goes, I don't want to be redundant, but it goes back to a certain confidence he has in his guys to show multiple looks and also to be aggressive as hell. I think there's a balance there that every great defensive coordinator finds where you get to be smart and you get to be mean at the same time. And that's what he does where he can still play chess, but he's also not losing a certain sense of aggression. It's one of the things at the power five level that defensive coaches struggle with the most is that's why at every uh, hiring press conference, you always hear somebody say, well, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to be multiple. Those are inherently conflicting because are you pinning ears back and going, or are you trying to outsmart the offense? And what he's been able to do is balance those two things. And he'll be the first to tell you, Hey, if you run the triple, you're inherently limiting their possessions. Right. And so I think offensive coordinators overthink that a lot when they go, when they finally get the ball back. And I think that it's almost a mind game in, in and of itself. If you're reducing the total number of possessions, Play callers are going to get a little tight in what they do and when they do it. Before we let you go here, Stephen, I uh, wanted to ask one question about concerns with Jay Bateman. We've talked a lot about the positives, and there are certainly a lot of positives. But if there's one concern that you're maybe interested in seeing how he handles when he gets to North Carolina, what would that be? Oh, concerns? Um, my, I guess, objectively, my concern is I- I'm curious how Mac Brown – uh, delegates, honestly. I, I'm curious about, and, and you guys can tell me right now because I haven't followed the, uh, up to, as we record this on Monday night, the, the OC search and what kind of style of offense it's going to be and, and where Mac is going to be in terms of making executive calls. Um, I know at Army, the smartest thing that Jeff Munkin did on defense was hire a good DC and trust him. And that's not that they didn't communicate. I watched them specifically for nine days communicate in a very specific and unique way. Um, I think chemistry among coaching staff is, is really something that we don't talk about a lot in the mainstream you know, consumer side of the media. You might hear about it within the industry, but how those coaches come together and their staff and, and really there's a, there's a chemistry to – having the two coordinators work in, in, in symbiosis. And I think that's one thing that the Jay and that army staff got so good at. And so now you're starting from scratch there and you may have some bumps in year one. I would not expect North Carolina to be um, at fighting weight by the end of 2019. I think there's going to be an adjustment period here, but I do think that they've got by virtue of the roster, a better shot than a lot of the other teams that are hiring new head coaches in this cycle. Well, great. Well, Stephen, we appreciate it. And uh, there's a lot of us that Absolutely. I see that, that are big football study hall fans for sure. Uh, listeners, be sure to check out oh, Stephen's well, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's my <laughs> co-host, Bill Connolly. He's the smart guy. He's the one who invented the S&P Plus analytics system. I can give you the spiel that I give on my podcast every week. Um, what we say on podcast and play Buddy is that that's Bill Connolly. He invented, literally invented a system of analytics that's used by a lot of major programs right now called the S&P Plus. He's written two books. And then, yeah, I'm Stephen Godfrey, and I'm just a reporter who hates your favorite team. So, uh, yeah, if you, if you want to get into the, the hardcore stats, he's your man. But uh, I can tell you the dirt. Yeah, well, we, we use his uh, stats all the time. So it's, it's very popular around these parts. Well, Stephen, thank you for your time. It's been a, a wealth of information you shared with us. Thanks for having me.
Yep. Thank you, Stephen. Stephen Godfrey, senior writer, SB Nation, co-host of the podcast, Ain't Played Nobody. And uh, now Buck Sanders' favorite guy that we've had on these podcasts. Stephen, appreciate it. I want the three of us to break down what Stephen had to say, but first let's talk about HeelsTravel.com right fast. It's a valued IC podcast sponsor, and they received those rave reviews I keep talking about for that Cal travel package back earlier this fall. Right now they're still selling that December 22nd package to see Carolina and Kentucky in Chicago at the CBS Sports Classic. You need to go to 336-855-0060 to book by telephone or heelstravel.com to do it online. Round trip airfare to and from RDU to Chicago's O'Hare Airport. Transportation to and from the airport to the Omni in Chicago, right there on Michigan Avenue, right there where the Carolina team is staying. The travel price through Hills Travel is better than you're going to get if you book it separately. It's a great chance to see the Tar Heels play a great opponent on a big stage and see a great city right around Christmas time. Call 336-855-0060 to book or visit heelstravel.com to do it online. Buck, uh, I'll call you in. You know, that he's an interesting fella and a lot of knowledge there. And I know that you uh, wanted to hear from him regarding Jay Bateman. I think what he has to say certainly bodes well for North Carolina. It does. And, uh, you know, a lot of it, what he had to say gave me pause in terms of we, we know what kind of, you know, uh, defense he ran at Navy structurally. He ran a 3-4 defense. But Stephen's point was that he's not married to any particular scheme. So I think maybe I was premature to say, hey, he's automatically going to run a 3-4 defense because – you know, that's what we've seen, you know, at Army. Uh, you know, maybe he comes in and says that doesn't fit the personnel we have right now. I, you know, I, I think that's a possibility. I think it's also possible he will run the 3-4. And the thing that struck me um, most of all during the conversation was he, he said several times what he's doing shouldn't be possible. It, it, it He's doing something that's impossible, and, and he's doing it on a weekly basis. That's That should probably excite just about any UNC football fan. That um, And we mentioned this, we talked about this before, that when was the last time that North Carolina had a real um, defensive guru on that side of the ball? I don't think Carl Torbush was that. You know, I thought he was good at what he did. Um, but as a defensive coordinator, but uh, I wouldn't classify Carl Torbush as a cutting edge kind of guy. Um, Dave Huxtable, uh, Chuck Pagano might have come close to, to, to that kind of um, territory, but I don't really see him as, you know, a cutting edge kind of defensive guy. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll jump in and say, like Butch Davis. I had numerous yep. conversations with his defensive lineman, and really what that scheme was was the defensive lineman could basically freestyle. They had a certain amount of gaps they had to hit, but they could do what they wanted to do, and his thought was our D-line is going to be so good that our back seven is really just going to sit in that cover too, and it's very simple. So it's not a very 
a schematic rich concept. This is like, I'm going to have more talent than you do and you can't do anything about it. So I would agree that that Butch even was not that type of guru that we're talking about with maybe a guy like Jay Bateman. And, and the other interesting comment that he made, which probably deserves to be fleshed out by somebody a whole lot smarter than I am, but um, you know, he, he, he continually talked about how um, you know, Bateman is just a, a kind of guy that, um, and, and we're all familiar with that person that has to be the smartest person in the room, but he, he's letting us know that Bateman is the smartest guy in the room. He's just not going to let you know that, you know, and, and I think that's a remarkable personal characteristic to have that somebody that can be uh, humble yet that they got the nuts and bolts of it down. Uh, so that that's a, uh, an interesting personality uh, trait that uh, will be refreshing because we've had coaches in the past and recently that don't mind letting you know they're the smartest person in the room. Um, so that, that, that'll be a refreshing thing as moving forward with UNC football. Oh, yeah, it's always been, if you're the smartest, you don't need to say it. You know, you don't have to say it all the time. Folks know. But one thing I found interesting, and I want to hear both your takes on it, and what catches my eye the most is, Buck, you talked about he's doing things that weren't possible, but he did, he had success with what he had. You know, he didn't have, I didn't hear him ever, Coach Bateman ever, and I've gone back and I've watched a ton of videos and all that. He never made an excuse for what he didn't have. He made what he had worked. And, Greg, I think that in itself is is a huge thing for North Carolina because, like Stephen said, there is talent on that roster, and there's plenty of talent to be so much better than they've been. The only thing they need is somebody to push them towards that. And, you know, I, I think, and it certainly sounds that way, but Bateman can be that guy. Now, the one thing about it is, is Stephen talked about, um, you know, everybody thinks service academy coaches have to have soldiers as players. That'll be my interesting thing to watch is how he deals with, you know, quote unquote, non-soldiers, if you know what I mean. Because at Army, and at Navy and Air Force, it's inherently a disciplined team, period. They have to be. Um, it's not that way at other colleges. Greg, your thoughts on how that all translates, because I, I see that being there's going to be some people on that defensive side of the ball that are going to get some eyes open in a hurry, I think, when Bateman comes into the meeting room. Yeah, but also think – I think that's a valid point, but also think – discipline and focus kind of go hand in hand. And if you can control a player's focus, that's where you cut down on miscues. That's where you cut down on penalties. I mean, there's been plenty of teams at the service academies over the years that have really struggled with turnovers, with penalties, those types of things. And it's not because those guys aren't tough as nails because we know they are have the proper coaching. Um, and so did that aid him? Sure. No doubt. Uh, but I think maybe his approach kind of helps there. The, the other thing I wanted to say, kind of building off what Buck said, uh, Bateman's my age. And so as I grew up, you, you heard about the great you know, defenses of, of old and how they dominated games. And, you know, I remember watching uh, 
the Bears won the Super Bowl in 85. I was a young kid at that point in time. But as I was in school, as I was in college, is when you start hearing about Rich Rod doing the things that he was doing at Tulane, which is the same time that Larry Fedora was traveling to Tulane, talking with Rich Rod. And that's where this really explosion came about. You know, that's when uh, Mike Leach was at Oklahoma, and, and we started seeing this, this brand of offense explode. And so I really think the fact that he kind of uh, got his feet wet in the college coaching ranks while these offenses were exploding and it wasn't necessarily a defensive game anymore, I think that forced him to be versatile. He wasn't this guy that had been around for 30 years. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to change. I'm going to do what I've always done. He had to make sure that he was making changes to adapt. And I think that's something that's beneficial with a lot of these young guys. Granted, you have to have a, a head coach like Mac who understands you have to make adjustments and be versatile. And he's showing that with some of the hires that he's making. But I think that's very beneficial for a guy like Bateman who can kind of pivot on a dime, if you will, make changes as needed. Um, and so I do think he'll he'll be able to get to these guys and help them with focus by limiting what they have to do. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think the sky's the limit in terms of what he's got to work with, uh, making a splash very quickly. And, and all of it is kind of what Stephen went back to. While he's not necessarily married to scheme, he's going to be aggressive. Uh, and for me, I'm kind of a defensive guy anyway. I love that. I'd much rather blitz a you know, team to death, give up an occasional big play if you can get them behind the chains. And that's what his teams and Army have been able to do. Buck, I'm coming aggressively back to you, but not before I talk about Jersey Mike subs of Chapel Hill. These guys are our title sponsor for the podcast, so we need to get out there and support Jersey Mike's. Do it this way. Any of the Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and Chatham County locations, order online at jerseymikes.com front slash order. Pick one of those locations, get all the food you need, enter the code HILLS15, get 15% off that order. You skip the line, you go straight to the register, you get your food, and you're out. Do it today. Place an online order at one of those five convenient Chapel Hill, Hillsborough, and now Chatham County locations. Super easy process. Just remember, HILLS15 at jerseymikes.com front slash order. Order online, pick up your sub, and you're out. Great food. Great way to support the Inside Carolina podcast. Buck, and, and that's something that North Carolina struggled with a fair amount, especially this year, is getting pressure. Uh, I would imagine that Carolina fans listening to this podcast hear aggressive and blitzing a ton and, and are very happy. Yeah, I, that that's true, Tommy. And, you know, I think um, a lot of people have struggled with, and, and I struggled with it, uh, during the Bush Davis era, be frank with you. I mean, he had great players, no question. But there were plenty of times where they would have a lead, you know, going into the fourth quarter, and, you know, all of a sudden they're they're dropping the corners 10 yards off of the wide receivers. You know, they're, you know, trying to form an umbrella back there um, and, and letting the team march down the field. I remember going on a road trip to uh, Maryland um, and watching a game there. And uh, you know, they had the lead and then Maryland just marched down the field of them uh, on them and uh, you know, won the game because in, in my opinion, you know, the, the, the prevent prevented UNC from winning the game. Uh, one other point uh, b- before I forget it, that, I, that kind of, jumped out at me which i think is important and interesting is that 
the, you know, Stephen is a SEC guy and, you know, he has had it drummed into him over and over and over again that the defense is all about the Jimmys and Joes. And actually that's been my personal opinion for low these many years. But Steve's point was that, you know, and he was talking about the New England Patriots that Patriots that they're they're not the most talented team in the NFL on defense, but they play smarter than anybody else. And and they're there's they scheme better than anybody else. And and that Bateman is that kind of guy. That's exciting to me. You know, if if he can change my opinion about that and during his tenure at UNC, then um I'll make him the head coach in waiting, you know, on my own. Um <laughs> but because that's that's really, really unique. And that plays into what he was talking about in terms of um you know, he's doing things that are, aren't possible at Army. Um, if you, that doesn't get you uh, at least optimistic about uh, the UNC defense, which um, there's been not a lot of reason to be optimistic about that over the years, uh, last decade or so, uh, nothing will. Buck's earlier comments about how Butch Davis uh, would take a lead in the fourth quarter and then go into that prevent. That goes back specifically to what I was talking about, about Jay's age, kind of growing up with, with the way offenses are now. Because the reason that Rich Rod and Larry Fedora and Mike Leach and all these guys started looking at this option of kind of a hurry up and, and throw it all over the place concept is because they watched NFL teams. And a team would have no success offensively the entire game. Then they'd get in the final two minutes, and what would happen? The defense would go into prevent. And all of a sudden, they could start throwing the ball around and make, make noise. And Rich Rod very clearly was like, wait a minute. If that works for two minutes, why don't we do that for 60 minutes? And so that just kind of takes you back to the archaic ways of how it used to work. It does not work that way anymore. So you know, Jay Bateman being more aggressive, being able to look at what's working and what's not, I think that's desperately needed. Um, and you, Last year, uh, John Papuch is who's a great guy, but after that Louisville game where North Carolina lost for the second game in the row, he talked to us, and it's it basically kind of like an identity crisis. You know, we, we want to be a pattern match team, but we are playing too much zone, so we got to get back to who we want to be. That's philosophy. That's, okay, who are we going to be? You determine that first, and if you're going to be aggressive, be aggressive and build your scheme around that, not trying to mix and match to the best of your ability. Interesting stuff. Uh, if our listeners haven't gone and read the articles uh, that Stephen Godfrey wrote during his time being embedded with Army, you need to do it. It's very fascinating articles. Um, I, one of the ones I found the most interesting is he basically schemed all year to run one play that would work against Navy, uh, the the Army coaches that would one play that would work at the right time. Um, for a chance to beat Navy and talked about how Bateman on the defensive side would take notes every week on what Navy was doing. And that certainly um, bodes well for Carolina in a certain rivalry game that they've come out on the end of, on the losing end of it far too many times for North Carolina fans to stomach. Greg and Buck, it's going to be fun over the next uh, weeks and months digging into these new coaches 
digging into the new staff, uh, offensive coordinator maybe hopefully soon. But uh, I appreciate Buck taking the chance to run Stephen Godfrey down. I appreciate Stephen joining us. I appreciate you handling that interview, Greg. As always, Greg and Buck, it's fun. Appreciate you guys joining me. Nice, Tommy. I enjoyed it. It was a very fun show. Yep. Thanks, Tommy. Yep. And folks, before I forget, don't forget to check out Ain't Played Nobody, Stephen Godfrey's podcast and Bill Connolly's uh, Football Study Hall. Get you some learned football information on all those. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Inside Carolina podcast presented by Jersey Mike Subs of Chapel Hill. Get 15% off your online order with the promo code HEELS15. Go to jerseymikes.com slash order now.